Okay. So I got to reread that. My recording stopped. We have entered into the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Way back in step four, in the 12 and 12, it said, this is the beginning of a lifetime practice. So step four, as I've discussed before on this big book study, is the beginning of the action part of this program. None of us like the self-searching, leveling of our pride, admissions of our shortcomings that this process of staying sober and designed for living requires for its successful consummation. It means it starts at step four and five. And then by the time I get through those first nine steps, or the four to nine, then right here it says this continues for my lifetime. What continues for my lifetime? Steps four to nine, the action identification of my defects, talking to somebody, be willing to have these things relinquished in six, trying to work for God in seven, willing to make amends and then doing amends in nine. That all happens in this step 10. And it's not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Okay. And so for anyone who doesn't really understand step 10, what I'm going to read right now is step 10. I'm going to show you on the screen uh, my book and I've numbered it. I've numbered it 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then I'll, I'll do that again verbally, but I'm just going to show you where it is. So I don't know if you can see that, but there's five numbers there, okay? And then I have it underlined. I think there's five lines that are underlined. That is step 10. And I'm going to quickly go over that so anyone who wants to mark up their book can. And then I'm going to really go through it. Okay. So a little baby number one should go beside continue to watch. Right at the beginning, continue. Put a little baby number one. So continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And then a little baby number two at when when these crop up we ask God at once to remove them and then a little baby number three at we discuss we discuss them with someone immediately and make them and then and then I put a little baby number four at make amends And then a little, then make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then a little baby number five, at then we resolutely turned our thoughts. Did I confuse anyone with that? Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to go over that. This is your status step 10. Okay? And I would underline that, highlight it. That is that this little thing right here will save your life, change your life, and launch you into the fourth dimension. So, number one, I continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Well, what is that? I'm, I'm, I need to be aware as I walk through my day. And this is a step. This step 10 doesn't happen at night when I'm all done my day. Step 10 happens the minute I leave my door. Step 10 happens the minute I'm on the phone with somebody. Step 10 could happen anywhere, anytime, anywhere in my day. So I got to be aware of what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. 
So I'm, I'm aware and I watch for the, the manifestations of self. I watch for my selfish self-centeredness, the root of my troubles, which is we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment and fear. I watch for these things. And when they crop up, it doesn't say if they crop up, it says when they crop up. The first thing I go to in the solution is I ask God at once to remove it. So I start with the problem of me and my first solution is go to God. And I ask God for help. God, can you please remove the selfishness, this resentment, this fear, this dishonesty right now? And then, as soon as I'm done doing that, it tells me in the book, I talk to someone immediately. So I pick up the phone and I call somebody and I say, look, this is what's happening. So I'm going to call my sponsor or my God-centered 12-step pillar. It's somebody that's got to be centered in God, in my opinion, okay? And somebody that understands the program. Because if you start calling people that are on step four and that are new, you know, it's great to talk to them, but you're missing the point of what the step is. So we talk to someone immediately. So I, I run into a situation and maybe the guy at the gas station fucking steals my gas pump right when I'm backing in to turn around. And then I'm like, I honk my horn and I have words with this guy. And then in the moment, I'm like, holy shit. I, I'm acting in anger. And then I, I stop and I go, holy shit, okay. And then I go to God right now and I go, God, please save me from being angry. God, can you please remove this defect of mine? And then I stop and I just pull over my car and I pick up the phone. And I call my sponsor. And I say, look, this is what happened. I was just backing out my car and I just needed to turn around because my tank was on the other side. And this guy snaked in. He knew I was going to fill up my vehicle, but he pulled in and started pumping his gas. And I honked at him and rolled down my window and I called him a fucking asshole. And the guy started beaking me back off. And this is what's happened. Well, what is actually happening in that? Step four tells me. This is a fact-finding, fact-facing mission. It is an effort to discover the truth about stock and trade. So I'm, I'm laying out the facts to my sponsor on the phone call. So I'm, I'm doing the fact-finding mission, laying out the facts. And then we look at the facts. So me and my sponsor together will look at the facts. And he's got a different perspective because he's not stuck in this fury of self right now. He's, he's in another spot going, okay, I'm here to help you. So he's going to help me look at the facts. He's going to help me face the facts. He's going to help me to look at the truth about stock and trade. The truth about myself or the truth about the situation that just happened. Because my truth is always skewed with myself. Because I'm, I'm fucking mad right now. And I'm trying to be objective, but I'm still pissed off. So I'm skewed by self. And then it says, then it's uh, step four. Looking for da some damaged or unsaleable good. To discard it without regret. And that's what my sponsor helps me with. He helps me find some damaged or unsaleable good that I'm using that doesn't serve me or this gentleman that took my gas pump anymore. And he says, you know what, Bill? Here's the damaged and unsaleable good that we're finding. I think you're acting totally irrational. 
this is no need for you to honk your horn and beat this guy off. Now what I think you need to do, you're acting totally selfish and self-centered, and you need to go make an amend to this guy. I'm like, I don't need to make an amend to this guy. And my sponsor will be like, yeah, you do, man. You're cleaning up your side of the street right now. Go make your amend. And then what I want you to do, Bill, is I want you to pray for this guy. Because you don't know, maybe he's in a hurry to get somewhere. Maybe his daughter's in trouble. Maybe something's happening. You don't know. So I want you to pray for this guy. Okay. So then that's what I do. I go park my car. I go over to the guy. I humbly, with humility, go, bro, I'm really sorry that I, I did that. You know, I owe you an apology. You know, I, I, you didn't deserve those words. And then he accepts my apology. And then I go back to my vehicle and I pray for him. And I say a couple minutes worth of prayers at least. And then I move on with my day. What did I do? I kept the channel clear. I didn't let resentment pile up on me. I didn't let fear, I didn't let shit pile up on me. Why? I need to keep this channel clear. So I didn't fight with him anymore. But the next time that exact same scenario happens, and, that, and I see the guy snake my, my gas pump again, now I'm, I'm aware. I'm like, oh yeah, not this time. I'm aware. And I go, God, please save me from being angry. You know, give me patience and kindness right now. Allow me to show some tolerance. And then I ask God to help me. I don't need to call my sponsor because me and God dealt with it. I don't need to make an amend because me and God dealt with it. And I am going to pray for him. So I'm going to cap it off with a prayer for him. So this is the benefit of exactly what we're talking about right here. And this can happen when you're chatting with your wife, your husband, your kids, um, the 7-Eleven clerk, uh, sponsee, anybody. This is the step that stops me from fighting me. And if I can ask God for help in the moment where Buddy steals my, my gas pump, God restores me to sanity. Because what's my self-will going to do? It's going to roll down the window and call this guy a friggin' asshole. That's my self-will. But God restores me to sanity. And it's God's will. And through the end of this whole process, there's a result. What's the result? It's a principle. In, in that scenario I gave you, maybe the principle is kindness, tolerance, love, whatever. But what I want to highlight here, through this five-step process, the mechanics of this process, the principle is a result. I, fall, I am aware of what I'm thinking. I ask God. I talk to somebody. Make my amends quickly if I have harmed anyone. I resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. And then it equals principle. This is the step that allows me to practice all the principles in all of my affairs. I don't need to just do a set of steps and then go out into life and try to just practice these principles in my affairs. Because what does that even look like? Right? I hear lots of people who have been around a long time go, well, I don't even know what God's will is sometimes. I, I got to think about it. No, you don't. You, and you don't need to go out and just try to practice these principles in all of your affairs. Let's give you that exact same scenario. So I, I go to this gas pump and me and Buddy start beaking each other off. And then I'm yelling at him and then I go, hold on. I'm in AA. 
I'm supposed to practice these principles in my affairs right now. And then, then I'm like, okay. So then I stop and I leave and, you know, on my way out of there, I fucking flip them the bird and I peel out of the driveway and I go to a different gas station. And then two days later, I talk to my sponsor and I tell him about the scenario. I said, oh yeah, I had some success in the program. Well, what was your success, Bill? Well, you know, this guy took my gas pump and we had words and fucking, you know, I flipped him off and I left and, and it worked out perfect. And I'm, my sponsor's like, how the fuck did that work out perfect? Well, old me would have probably got out and had a fight with him. I'm like, okay, well, I guess there's a little progress there, but where was God? Well, what do you mean? Well, where was God? Well, it didn't matter where God was. I handled it, and everything went better, man. I practiced the principles in my affairs. But the truth is, is I self-willed things still. I still managed my own life. And I have to be convinced that any life ran on self-will is hardly a success. That wasn't a fucking success. But I'm going to rationalize it and tell you that it was. And that's me just out practicing the principles in my own affairs. But if I follow the clear-cut directions like are just laid out right here, the result is the principle. The result is I ceased fighting anyone or anything. And the first person that I quit fighting in this step is me. I stop fighting me. The shit isn't rolling around in my head. Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. Oh, what a fucking asshole. Blah, 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 blah. I stopped fighting me. And if I'm not fighting me, then I ain't going to fight you. So this step is so important to understand the mechanics. And then once I follow this, it goes on to say, um, love and tolerance of others is our code. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. So alcohol is not even the fucking main thought here. Alcohol is a total afterthought. Because I'm not... This, this program isn't about me fighting alcohol. This whole program and all of my defects and everything I struggle with, are, I struggle with my own head first. And this is alcoholism before this is alcoholism. And if I can quiet my head by not fighting myself and not fighting you then I don't need to fight alcohol. Just like it said back in uh, We Agnostics where I wrote Red Bill's story, where he tumbled out of bed. He couldn't drink even if he would. He didn't want to. Why? Because he didn't need to. Because he's turned his will and his life over. And this, this five-step process is teaching me to turn my will and my life over to care of God. Is it always going to be easy? No. There's going to be many instances where I really want to do what it is that I want to do because I'm driven by my old ways of doing things. And through the pain of changing and doing something different, because that guy really needs to hear what my opinion is of what he did. That's how I lived my whole life. This guy needed to hear what I had to say. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Well, love is pretty self-explanatory. Tolerance. Tolerance doesn't mean we tolerate people. It's not like I'm, I'm fucking putting up with you. Love and tolerate is my code. No. When you look up tolerance, it means having respect for other people's opinions, other people's viewpoints, 
and respect for their shortcomings because nobody's perfect and understanding that everyone's different and has a different upbringing and they're all driven by the same four desires that we are. Sex, relation, emotional, material, security and companionship. Everybody is. So I started understanding that this guy's just another human being too. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's had a rough life. Maybe he's angry. Maybe something. But I don't need to combat him. He can have the gas pump. You know what, bro? Actually, I'm going to pay 20 bucks of your 40 bucks gas. Have an awesome day. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And when we follow this process, the result is always a principle. Which is why I'm, I'm massive on this step. And that is step 10. That's step 10. The rest of the shit we're going to read after is stuff that comes from this piece. And I don't even think this piece actually is focusing on the drink or the drug at all. It's focusing on me. Why? Because self-centeredness is the root of my troubles. That's what I'm trying to fix here. My selfish self-centeredness. This is my self-will where I start cutting it away. This is where I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of God. This is step six, working on surrendering to God. And step seven, surrendering to God. Because in the book it talks about we ask our Heavenly Father to remove these things root and branch. Like maybe in the moment of my experience in that one I gave you, maybe I'm not able to feel that at that moment. But at some point, I got to go look at that feeling and go, why? Why am I doing that? Why am I acting like that? Why does it bother me? So I get down underneath the surface because my action in that, that scenario was the branch that always hurts me and hurts somebody else. But there's a reason why I'm doing that. I can sit with the feeling and I can start asking myself why. And I can go into meditation and I can pray and I can find out the root of these difficulties. And that's part of what this is too. I can't just go and sweep the shit under the carpet. And if I keep getting angry every day and I keep doing this, okay, that's some progress. But why am I getting angry? Why, why am I still doing the same thing every day and having to go to this, this process and that's what's saving my ass? So it's great that this process saves my ass. But I got to do some, some di digging and I got to find out why. And I'm going to read a piece out of the step four. If anyone wants to follow along, it's at the very beginning in the 12 and 12 of step four, the bottom of the page on page 42. Actually, I'm going to read from the middle of the page. So, so these desires, these are the four human desires that I keep talking about. For the sex relation, for material and emotional security, and for companionship are perfectly necessary, right, and God-given. Yeah, God gave them to us. It makes us human. Yet these instincts, so necessary for our existence, often far exceed their proper functions. So I'm using these instincts outside of what God would intend me to use them. I use them self-will run riot-like. So powerfully, blindly, many times subtly, they drive us, they dominate us, they assist upon ruling our lives. 
So our desires for sex, for material and emotional security, and for an important place in society often tyrannize us. Thus, when out of joint, man's natural desires cause him great trouble. Practically all the trouble there is. Yeah, all the trouble there is will come from one of those things. And from whatever one of those things is your problem will stem the defects of selfishness, resentment, fear, whatever. And then from those, it, it, it kind of even branches out further into more subtle ones. Never, nearly every serious emotional problem can be seen as a case of misdirected instinct. When that happens, our great natural assets, the instincts, have turned into physical and mental liabilities. So, step four is a vigorous and painstaking effort to discover what these liabilities in each of us have been and are. What have they been before and what are they today? We want to find out exactly how, when and where our natural desires have warped us. We wish to look squarely at the unhappiness this has caused others and ourselves. By discovering what our emotional deformities are, we can move towards their correction. Without a willing and persistent effort to do this, there will be little sobriety or contentment for us. Without a searching and fearless moral inventory, most of us found that the faith that really works in daily living is still out of reach. So what did that tell me? It, means, it told me that i got to be vigorous and painstaking to discover what these liabilities in each of us have been in my past and are today. I want to find out exactly how, when, and where. Our natural desires warped me. So it's worth looking back in my life. We wish to look squarely at the unhappiness this has caused others and ourselves. So where in my where in my path has anger really caused me a lot of grief? Or, or sex relation, lust, or greed, or whatever it is. Why am I fearful of certain things? By discovering what these emotional deformities are, we can move towards the correction. And like, by accepting them. But sometimes you got to find out what they are first. It's like being an alcoholic. Until you accepted you were an alcoholic, you couldn't move forward with any solution. Until you accept whatever it is that you have, your, your brokenness, you can't move towards correction. That's why we need God for this design for living because the more that I can work on these areas and bring God into these painful areas, then I can, I can heal. What is this but a miracle of healing? So I am going to bring in a piece of step eight here for this discussion. Um, on page... Page 79, bottom of the page, first paragraph at the bottom, or the last paragraph at the bottom. Though in some cases we cannot make restitution at all, and in some cases action ought to be deferred. This is important. We should nevertheless make an accurate and really exhaustive survey of our past life, as it has affected other people. In many instances we shall find, though the harm done to others has not been great, the emotional harm we have done ourselves has very deep, sometimes quite forgotten, damaging emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness. 
At the time of these occurrences, they may have actually given our emotions violent twists, which has since discolored our personalities and altered our lives for the worse. So that's exactly what I was just reading in step four. Where did these emotional deformities come from? Exactly how, when, and where? I wish to look squarely at the pain and unhappiness this has caused me and other people. I might have to walk back through my life and look for the root to some of these things. But like I said earlier, the shit doesn't reveal itself right away. The shit reveals itself over time. God knows where you're broken. God knows what you need to heal yourself. And God knows when the right time to bring it forth is. But if you're drunk and you can't stay sober, those broken pieces will never be found because they're always covered up with drugs and alcohol, pomp, worship, calamity, all sorts of shit. Yeah, dude, and it's so important because we can't be dragging the shit from right now into the next minute. You drag too much of that shit with you, the insanity of alcohol returns. The spiritual malady is in full force. And, and we'll drink again. But first we're going to get probably pretty fucking mad and angry at someone and then we'll go on a tirade, tirade and then we're drunk. But yeah, step 10, that five-step process clears the channel. It keeps us clean, keeps us moving on to the next moment. And then maybe I go to the next gas station and that shit happens again. Will I do it again? Then I go to the next gas station because I can't get any gas anywhere because everyone's fucking with me. And it happens again. Then I do it again. Like, I've done that step 10 process a hundred times in a day before. Because I need to keep the channel clear. And it, and it puts me in contact with God non-stop. So I'm going to read this little piece out of step 8. And then I'm going to get cruising over on that uh, on the rest of that 10. Because there's a bunch of shit I want to talk about still. So, page 80. While the purpose of making restitution is paramount. It is equally necessary that we extricate from an examination of our personal relations every bit of information about ourselves and our fundamental difficulties that we can. Since defective relations with other human beings has nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes, including our alcoholism, no field of investigation could yield more satisfying and valuable rewards than this one. Here we go. Calm, thoughtful reflection upon personal relations can deepen our insight. We can go far beyond those things which were superficially wrong with us. To see the flaws that were basic, flaws which were sometimes responsible for the whole patterns of our lives. Thoroughness we found will pay and pay handsomely. So I can go far beyond the branches and, and look at things that are way deeper. The shit that's given my personality violent twists and, and different attributes and makes me the way I am. Like somebody could have suffered something sometime in their life and their whole life was built based on, on that tragedy. But unless we look at that tragedy, we become willing to accept it as it is and work on it. Then that thing will dictate what we do in our lives for the rest of our lives and we won't heal. So yeah, step eight has some good shit. It, it's not typically in relation to the list, but it's willingness to dig deep into yourself. Okay, so I'm just going to keep going here. Step 10, bottom of the page. 
So if we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for this time sanity will have returned. Not only sanity from the drink, but sanity from myself. Okay? We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil as from a hot flame. Why? Because I'm turning my will and my life over. And, and I won't get tempted because I'm keeping the channel clear. I will, I will react sanely and normally. And we will find that this has happened automatically. How does it happen automatically? Well, I got a five-step process here. So it doesn't happen automatically without me doing something. It doesn't happen automatically without me fucking understanding what we just read here and implementing that into my day-to-day -day activities. We will see that our new attitude towards liquor has been given us with any thought or effort on our part. Yeah, because I don't need liquor anymore. You know, my new attitude towards it is I don't need it. It's been given to me with any thought or effort on my part. Well, maybe there's some effort because I have to. I have to do the step five, this five-step process here. That's that's the part that I got to do, and then I don't need to drink. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Yeah, I'm placed in a position of neutrality from alcohol, but I'm placed in a position of neutrality in my own head. Because I'm not fighting myself. And then I'm not fighting you. <clears throat> I get placed in a position of neutrality within my fellows. Safe and protected. I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to bring in something here. The uh, traditions. Because the traditions actually correlate directly with the steps. There's an exact connection from every step to every tradition. Step one, tradition one. Step two, tradition two. Here it is for step ten. Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Well, what does that mean in the step ten? Well, Bill Ward has no opinion on my outside issues, anything outside myself. Why? Because I follow this five-step process. And then I, I, res I respect what you have to say. And, and I don't need to bring, bring any garbage out. So I have no opinion on outside issues other than me and my own life. <coughs> Hence the A name ought never be drawn in the public controversy. And if I take that attitude through following that five-step process, hence my name has never be drawn in the public controversy. I don't get in the drama of life. So I have no opinion on outside issues. And if I do have an opinion, then I express it with love and kindness and tolerance with God by my side. <coughs> it goes back to a piece in step seven. With a proper display of honesty and morality, you'll stand a better chance of getting what you really want. If you really do need to voice your opinion, you do it from a place of God-centeredness and from love. And then you'll probably get what you actually intended to versus fucking forcing your opinion down someone's throat using force, the only thing that force is going to get you is counterforce. <laughs> and then, you know, and if I do it kindly and, and lovingly, then I'm not going to draw myself in the public controversy most likely either. 
So that's that's a big correlation between Tradition 10 and Step 10. I have no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name, my name, never gets drawn into public controversy. So I'm placed in this position of neutrality. I'm safe and protected. I've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. Yeah. What's the real problem that's been removed? Well, when you look at that five-step process, me. <laughs> I'm the problem that's been removed. So if I get removed from the problem, then alcohol's for sure going to get removed from the problem. It does not exist for us. We're near, neither cocky nor afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react. So long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Well, what does that step do? It gives me the problem, me, and it takes me to God. That's why I'm entering into the world of the Spirit. And as long as I'm following this process, I'm going to stay in fit spiritual condition. Because like Ron alluded to, I keep clearing this channel. And I need to keep the channel cleared. Why? Because I need step three to have permanent effect. Remember way back in step three and step four? You know, I say the step three prayer, and then at the end of that page, it says, we launched on a course of vigorous action. The first step of which was a personal house cleaning, of which many of us had never attempted. House cleaning, clearing the channel. Though this decision, step three decision, was a vital and crucial step, vital and crucial, it will have no permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in myself that block me. I need step three to have a permanent effect in my life. But it says it will have a little permanent effect unless at once I clear the channel by doing four. Well, that's essentially what step 10 is doing. It keeps clearing my channel. I'm not letting all that shit block me. What did I learn in step four? I learned about resentment and fears and sex conduct and a whole bunch more. That's the shit that's been blocking me. My selfish self-centeredness and my, my attitudes and my ideas and my belief systems, all these things have been blocking me. So if I can keep that clear with step 10, then I'm pretty confident I'm not going to drink because I'm staying in fit spiritual condition. It is easy to let up on, this, on the spiritual program of action though and rest on our laurels. And then we see it all the time. People are coming back all the time because they rest on their laurels. Or they come here and they get what they think they want out of here and they figure they can go back and live normal without doing this stuff. There are those who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program. They are such unfortunates. Yeah, it's about giving ourselves to the simple program. And at first when we get here, it seems like it's a life sentence that I got to be here and do this stuff. And if you're at the point where it's a life sentence that you got to be here and do that stuff, then you're not far enough along and there's not enough God in your life. Because this is one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received. And I had everything out there that you could money could buy. So it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do. There's a promise. For alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. 
What we really have is a daily reprieve. Well, what's reprieve? Reprieve means in the dictionary, stay from death. Yeah. I have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of the spiritual conditioning. Every day is a day where we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Where do I carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities? Anyone? That's step 10 process. I'm carrying the vision of God's will into my activities if I follow that five-step process that step 10 consists of. Because that's God's will. Principle, result. My will is cut away. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. Well, if I'm following that five-step process, these thoughts will go with me constantly. Because this is where I really, really build this connection with God. Is through that five-stepper. We can exercise our willpower all along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. That's what we're doing. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from Him, who has all knowledge and power. If we have carefully followed directions. <laughs> what directions? The ones on the previous page, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. If we have carefully followed directions, we will begin to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. There's a promise. It says, follow the directions on this page. You will feel the flow of God into you. And what I want to also highlight here is directions. The big book is a set of directions. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. This isn't about my fucking, my relationship with you on story time. This isn't about my relationship with you fucking talking about our problems. This isn't about anything other than working a program that has, consists of directions. And yes, problems need to be discussed, but problems without solutions are just problems. And this book is full of mechanical mechanical procedures that allow me to expose the problem and bring in a solution like if I'm going through that step 10 process and I continue to watch for selfishness dishonesty resentment and fear well out of those four things I have a fucking resentment inventory way back in step 4 I have a four column inventory that I can really look at to deal with the resentment if it's that bad and fear, I also have a full fear inventory way back in step four. What are the other two left? Dishonesty and selfishness. Well, there's no dishonesty or selfishness inventory in there. But some of the dishonesty can come through the resentment or the fear inventory. And the selfishness, well, I have, it says talk to someone immediately. So I can talk to my sponsor. And I can deal with the selfishness and I can deal with the dishonesty. And I can take the shit to prayer and meditation. So I have clear-cut directions all through, through this book. Tells me exactly how to make amends. <coughs> so 
So just once again, this program isn't a theory. It's very clear. And if you follow the directions, because this thing called faith alone is insufficient to be vital, to give me life. And the word vital means of giving of life. And I don't mean just staying alive. I mean giving of life. Must be accompanied by self-sacrifice, which is what that step 10 just did. An unselfish constructive action, which that constructive action is all throughout the book as well. One of the biggest components to that constructive action is, is uh, sponsorship, of which we'll be tackling here on step 12 in a couple, couple sessions. So if we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of His Spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. So, I wanted you to remember that line out of We Agnostics because I wanted to tie it into this line. We Agnostics. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his Creator. Because he turned his will and his life over to God. So he's living in conscious companionship with his creator. Well, it just tells me right here, to some extent, we have become God conscious. Why? Because I'm turning over my will and my life over to my creator on the previous page. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. Vital again. Life-giving. Or, very important, sixth sense. But we must go further, and that means more action. So, just to kind of cap it off here. Step 10 is the keys to the kingdom. Step 10 is the keys to relieve me of bondage of self. Step 10 is the keys to build with me and do with me as thou wilt, with a pure understanding of what step 6 actually is and seven in relation to six, because they're very different steps. Step 10 is the world of the spirit. And when you get into step 11 on the very next page, what does it start out with? It starts out with, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Were we selfish, dishonest, resentful, or afraid? What does that sound like? Sounds like step 10. Because it is. It's kind of directing us back to step 10. Because step 10 is so important for connection to God. And then later down the page in step 11, it says, On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Again, taking me back to step 10. And thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Yeah, indecision. Well, I'm probably stuck in self if I'm indecisive. It's step 10. Then it says, we may not be able to determine which course to take. So again, we ask God. Well, that's the first solution step in step 10. Asking God. We pause when, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Sounds like I'm stuck in self. We ask God for the right thought or action. I'm going to God again. 
Like step 11 is just redirecting me back to step 10, essentially. It's not quite like that, but I, I can make it like that. I can show you it and you would go, yeah, you're totally right. There's a little bit, some other components to it too, but step 10, man. It's your step four to nine worked in a, in a comprehensive piece. And the biggest two pieces of the step 10, in my opinion, are step six and seven, mostly step six. Because if you practice the understanding of step six, you're just going to naturally surrender and live in step seven. There becomes a point in this program where you're not even really thinking about step six anymore. Not really thinking about what's God's will or my will. Because you'll know. And you'll just be living in step seven. And that's why in step 11 it says, having just made conscious contact with God, it's not probable we're going to be inspired at all times. We may pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we th our thinking will as time passes become more and more on the plane of inspiration. We'll come to rely upon it. Meaning practice, 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 practice. I'm not going to be inspired at all times. Boom, shot in the head. I'm, I'm leveled with some humility. But I keep practicing. I keep getting up and I try better and I try more. I try harder. And then it becomes a working part of my mind. And I come to rely upon it. Just like it says right here in step 10. Um, we begin to sense the flow of a spirit into us. To some extent, we become God conscious. We develop this vital sixth sense. We come to rely upon it. The sixth sense. It's just part of us. And that is that, that voice that's deep inside of you that knows what's right and wrong. I always talk about the mark. You got a God inner guidance system that's covered up. We're uncovering it with all the step work. And then it becomes useful and it's that sixth sense. And that will set all your boundaries in your life. That will guide your whole life. You won't need to be setting all these boundaries in your life all over the place. Because those boundaries you set in your life all over the place, they're out of an, a form of insecurity. The only boundary setter you'll ever need eventually, if you kind of keep digging and keep relinquishing more, is the boundary of truth. The boundary of love, the boundary of truth and love within yourself. Because the fundamental idea of God is within every man, woman and child. And that's what we're trying to get to but is often obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship of other things, which is what this step clears in step four and five clear. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. Meaning sometimes we had to search and keep fucking searching and keep searching, but he is there. And that's what this step does. It was only in the last analysis that he may be found. It was so within us. That's what we're talking about, this vital sixth sense that's covered up with all this shit. And most of the shit that's covering us up, a lot of it comes from our, our, just our upbringing in society. Society teaches us a lot of bullshit. So, you know, I think I'm pretty much done, man. Does anyone have any questions or, or anything?